Hey, I'm Gabriel Goldfeder. I'm a Jewish life consultant, a.k.a. Rabbi. I must admit that amongst all of the characters in Tanakh, I find myself constantly drawn back to the stories of David HaMelech, of King David. There's just something about this man who is a musician and poet and dancer. He prays, he loves, he fights, he takes risks, he lives by his values, he believes, he takes risks. You could see how King David would be something of a hero to many people. You could even see how he would be the perfect character in a Hollywood story. And like every major character in Tanakh, his tragic flaw is blatantly obvious and available to the reader to consider, to reflect upon. So we shouldn't be surprised when the Tanakh, specifically the book of Shmuel, shows us the exact moment when David goes too far and falls precipitously. The truth is, it's not even that surprising that his fall involves a woman. But it is surprising that his fall that takes place through an affair that he has with a more or less married woman, the reason why that happens, what's upstream of that and causes that to happen is actually somewhat surprising. So let's back up for a moment. David's first mountain, the top of the first mountain, is becoming the king of Israel. This has been a long time coming. And honestly and truly, he's been fighting against the odds. He's been surprising, and he's been the underdog the entire time. The first time we meet David is when the prophet Shmuel has been sent to Beit Lechem, to the home of Yishai, who is the grandson of Rut, whom we read about and learned about last week. Shmuel has been sent to anoint a new king because the first king, Shaul, has proven to be more than a disappointment. He's proven to be a danger. He was sent to vanquish the tribe of Amalek, and at the last moment, he pulled his hand, and Amalek was allowed to live. God tells Shmuel, who anointed Shaul originally, and that God is, as it were, disgusted by Shaul and that God will now anoint a new king. And he sends Shmuel to Beit Lechem, to the house of Yishai. Shmuel gets there and he says, Yishai, bring out your sons. Maybe he told him why, maybe he didn't, but he is holding the flask of anointing oil in his hand. Yishai might have known what was going on. He would certainly have been very confused and he probably knew enough not to ask any questions. Shmuel is looking at the sons of Yishai, and they are all fine human beings, fine specimens, tall and proud. And Shmuel looks at each of them and says, ah, this is the king. And God says, no, that is not the one. And Shmuel looks at the next one again. He looks proud and noble and handsome. No, this is not the one either. He goes through all seven of Yishai's sons, and none of them is the one. Finally, Shmuel says to Yishai, do you have another son? 
And Yishai says, oh, well, there's David out in the fields shepherding the sheep. You, of course, have to wonder why, when Shmuel said to Yishai to bring out all of his sons, why Yishai didn't bring out David. The Midrash provides an incredible and shocking answer that Yishai was actually thoroughly embarrassed by David. Why? It seems that Yishai had grown bored of his wife, of David's mother, and he had set his eyes on a maidservant. The maidservant figured out what was going on and told Yishai's wife what was happening. Yishai's wife dressed as the maidservant. Yishai seduced her and impregnated her and then realized it was his own wife, and that was David. Not only that, he came out with red hair. Red hair in the Torah tradition is a direct reference to Esav, the brother of Yaakov, Edom, the red-haired man, the wild man. Yishai, when he saw David come out and knowing the backstory, knew that this kid was trouble. So of course he didn't invite him when Shmuel came along to anoint the next king. But reluctantly, he calls to King David. King David shows up. He's not yet, of course, King David. He shows up in front of Shmuel. Shmuel knows that this is the king. He might also have seen something of the writing on the wall. He might have recognized pretty clearly and immediately that David came by his red hair honestly and that this kid was a wild man and this kid may well be a badass and this kid could not be more different from King Shaul, the first king. And Shmuel knows that this is the next king of Israel. He anoints him, and then he leaves. Right around that time, because Shaul, though he continues to be the king externally, he is no longer the king internally, he starts to experience a deep inner unrest. He becomes unwell. He starts having fits of rage and depression. And his advisors say to him, wouldn't it be good if we could find a musician who could play music for you? who could calm you when you're having those moments. He says, yes, that's a good idea. Does anyone know anyone who would play music? And one guy says, yeah, there's this guy, David, son of Yishai. He plays the harp really well. I think he'd be good for you. Shaul says, okay, bring him. And they bring David before Shaul. Shaul loves David. David plays music for him. It works. Shaul is calmed. The next thing we see of David is when there is a showdown between the camps of Israel and the camps of the Pelishtim, the Philistines. They are arrayed for battle against each other with a valley between them. And the champion soldier of the Pelishtim, whose name is Goliath, known by his English name Goliath, he comes out. He's apparently at least nine feet tall. He comes out and he says, let's just do a thing here. We'll do like a one-on-one battle. And if I win, then your people will be slaves to my people. And if your guy wins, then our people will be slaves to your people. Of course, everyone is terrified and they don't know what to do. No one thinks they can beat this nine foot tall man. Meanwhile, David comes along to deliver some food, perhaps, to his brothers who are serving in Shaul's army. And he sees that there's something going on. And he says, who's that guy? And everyone tells him, oh, that's Goliath. And this is the deal that he just made. And David is not scared. Even though everyone else is trembling, David is not scared. And he says, he says, what happens to the person who kills this guy and removes this embarrassment from upon the Jewish people? Because look at this plishti, he'arel hazeh, this uncircumcised plishti, who's embarrassing the troops of the living God. 
And they tell him, well, the person who defeats this guy, if such a thing is possible, that person gets to marry the king's daughter. King David is interested. Is he interested because he wants to rescue the Jewish people from this person? Is he interested because he wants to marry the king's daughter? Both. So he makes his way to the king, to Shaul, and he says, don't be, don't be afraid, guys. Don't worry, I'll fight him. David is probably like five feet two. And Shaul says, you can't fight him. You're young. You're small. You're inexperienced. You haven't even fought in an army yet. But David says, well, you know, I was protecting my father's sheep and a lion came along and I killed the lion and also a bear came along and I killed the bear. And this plishti, this one who's scorning God, he'll be like one of them. And he says, Hashem, who saved me from the lion and from the bear, he will save me from this plishti. And Shaul says, okay, and may God be with you. And we know what happens next. Just one of many, many episodes. King David, noble, passionate, intense, fearless, badass. And it just keeps going from there. Adventure after adventure, fighting, winning, escaping, praying, being blessed, being guided, knowing, loving, protecting, protecting his people, protecting his family, protecting the Jewish people when he can, while also narrowly escaping the attempts made by King Shaul to try to stop him because King Shaul is jealous, but King David keeps going and he keeps doing the right thing and he keeps managing and people keep loving him and he goes higher and higher and people love him more and more until eventually it becomes clear that he is in fact the king of the Jewish people. He is the one and he brings them together. And he finally takes up residence in Yerushalayim, having gone from being the runt shepherd boy who no one wanted, the embarrassing child of the noble man, this redhead who's scaring everyone, who's uncouth, he's wild, he's not careful, but somehow it works. And he wins. And he brings it all together. And now he's made it. He's the king of the Jewish people. He's in Yerushalayim. He's at the top of the first mountain. And then, in the second book of Shmuel, in the 11th chapter, And it was at that time of year when the kings would go out. And David sent out Yoav, his general, and his servants with him, and all of Israel, and they attacked, and they defeated the children of Ammon, and they laid siege to the city of Rabbah. And David Yoshev Yerushalayim. David is in Yerushalayim. This is the time to go to war and David is a warrior and for some reason he stays in Yerushalayim he doesn't go out to war and then as Leonard Cohen told us so beautifully your faith was strong but you needed proof you saw her bathing on the roof her beauty and the moonlight 
overthrew you. In the very next verse, Vayhila ate Erev that evening. Vayakam David. David got up, Me'al Mishkavo, from his bed. Vayhalecha Gag. And he went walking about on the roof of the king's house. Vayar Isha Rochetet. Me'al Hagag. And he saw a woman bathing on the roof. Vayisha Tovat Mare Ma'od. And the woman was very beautiful. And he found out that she's married to Uriah. And he sent to her, and he had her brought to him. And he lay with her. Oive, Oive, David. Everything was perfect. And then this, yet another man in power who can't control himself, who uses that power for his own purposes, he loses control of his desires. And what ensues is equally, if not even more terrible. He wants it to seem that in fact, this woman who is now pregnant with his child is not pregnant with his child. He invites her husband back from the front lines, encourages this husband to go and to sleep with his own wife. And the husband refuses. And he says, how could I? How could I possibly think about my own pleasures at a time like this when the Jewish people are at war and the ark of God has no home? And then it gets even worse. King David sends word to Yoav to make sure that Uriah is killed in battle. And so he is. The woman mourns for some time and then David takes her as a wife. Soon after, the prophet of God, Natan, comes and he shares a parable with David Amelech. And in so doing, he holds up a mirror to David so that David can see himself. And this mirror becomes a doorway to the second mountain. Because in a sense, David's incredible, aspiring, career is not over. In a sense, his real gift, the thing he actually has to offer us, the thing he actually has to teach us, can finally emerge.